0: This is The Global Custodian, There's Always a FinReg Angle podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest developments in financial regulation.
1: Hello and welcome to There's Always a FinReg Angle. I'm John Watkins, the editor of Global Custodian, and I'm joined as always by a pair of FinReg experts, Sean Tuffy and Virginia O'Shea. How are you both? Good, how are you? I'm good. It's been ages, really long time it has, it's too long, too long.
2: Yeah,
0: definitely.
1: but think how much regulatory news and uh, updates that, that allows us to do I, I was uh, I was just driving back this morning and we put out, every year on Global Custodian we put out a uh, request for predictions for the new year, so I'm, I'm driving back, I've got some Christmas music in the car and then I get an email from Virginie with her prediction for the new year, and it is all doom and gloom, Virginie, what is going on, What's, is, is everything okay, <laughs>
2: It's a black Christmas, John, it's a black Christmas. No, yeah, no, it's just I'm... looking at looking at geopolitics, I think. It's, it's a bit depressing out there.
1: It is a little bit. Um, from a regulatory front, is there more cause for optimism? I know we had some breaking news today, right? FCA coming out with some sustainability rules, so a little bit of optimism for the new year?
2: Um, I mean, I think for, for what will be good for the industry is that there'll be a slowdown because of elections and things like that. So um, maybe there won't be as much regula- as many regulatory proposals um, in the run-up to that. But uh, yeah. that, that's probably a positive, right? Maybe not on the SEC side, but <laughs> definitely Oof. in Europe. Yeah.
1: Well, we're going to come to that. We've got a lot of a lot of SEC news to get to. Sean, op- optimistic uh, for, for next year or are you sharing uh, Virginia's doomsday scenarios?
0: No, I'm actually weirdly optimistic. I, I mean, I think you look... I mean, geopolitics, I mean, that would depress anybody, but, you know, more looking at sort of the time horizon for financial regulation, as Ginny said, like it's going to ease off, I think. So I think it will give everyone a bit of time to collect. You know, you have the European parliamentary elections next spring. So all regulation needs to be sort of wrapped up by February, March. And then with the U.S. elections the following fall, I wouldn't imagine much coming through. Um, So the big variable really is how much Gensler keeps pushing his agenda, but he keeps running increasingly into Congress. Um, so even that might slow down a little.
1: Yeah. Should we, should we start there then? Because uh, as I guess the only way to explain it is the SEC has been very, very busy. Uh, Sean, we've got a, a lot of updates, whether it's um, you know actions, whether it's uh, proposals, whether it's actually rules coming into force. Um, what stands out for you is the most controversial thing the SEC has done in the past three months?
2: Well, I think the...
0: So they finalized a bunch of rules that... Everyone expected them to. So you know the, the private fund rules um, and the securities lending rules were finalized. I mean, those are the private fund rules. Have everyone really worked up for some reason? Though they're not that uh, strict. But I think I mean, in terms of what's gotten the most attention over the last you know three months since we last spoke is obviously mm-hmm. the sort of continued push on crypto in two ways: sort of the attempt to regulate it um, through enforcement actions, but also the, the sort of more positive steps towards approving a Bitcoin ETF. And then I mean I think the big the, the big issue that's been in the news and it made all the way to a congressional hearing is the sort of the custody rule has sort of moved to the spotlight. And you don't you don't usually see mundane matters like custody make it all the way to a congressional hearing. So that's probably <laughs> well, that's probably the biggest news I'd say.
1: Yeah, know your audience though sure. Mundane matters <laughs> okay.
0: Well uh, like I mean nerds like us like it, but like you know the average the average person doesn't usually hear about the custody rules ever, right? Yeah,
1: so. yeah. Well, look, I, I certainly went through all the comment letters from from various major custodians and the the trade associations, and and it's this, um, you know, not being able to hold cash client cash, or having to segregate client cash um, is is the big sticking point, and it does seem that if you can get that tweaked or removed uh somehow or just a, a new definition then they possibly be okay with the rest of it kind of going through but virginia you you flagged up to me actually the other week that in that hearing there was um you know some concerns issued wasn't there
2: yeah, I think it was all about. Well, I mean, it was, I think it was French Hill. I was. I was. His yeah. name always strikes me that's as it. particularly memorable. Um, <laughs> when, when I'm listening to those House uh, d- debates and discussions, but um, he was ta- he was raising concerns about the cost or the, the negative impact on the industry of, of introducing those rules. Although, I mean, I don't think he was the only. He wasn't the only one that that's raised it, he hasn't been, because I think over the last few US House CEO Hearings, there's been some mention of it somewhere. So, um, But it seems to be getting more push behind it. So obviously people are lobbying and, and speaking to um, their representatives to, to try and get um, some movement, though I'm not sure that Gary Gensler is listening yet. Right? He seems to be on, yeah. the, on the ESG side of things. I've, I'm hearing uh, a lot of rumours that that's getting changed, um, some of those sustainability rules, but I haven't heard anything about the custody rules changing yet.
1: I mean, those other matters are so pressing, whether it's ESG mm-hmm. for the good things, digital assets for the bad things, but you know, we put on the cover of our latest magazine on Global Custodian, if it ain't broke, don't try and fix it, right? There's nothing wrong with custody, and if if you are going to update the custody rules, I mean, doing something that completely hamstrings the custodians and stops them earning interest, but also, you know, they're, they're doing other things with that that cash for, for the benefit of the clients, for, for the market, so... It, it seems a wild thing to, to add in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of the custody rule debate now is, you
0: know, we're all old enough to remember the debate over depositary liability 10 years ago. And it's not in Europe and it's not a million miles away from that. It's just sort of like a lot of the recent SEC stuff that's been inspired by European regulatory. It goes just sort of that step further for some reason. I, I think it's an interesting, I don't know why it has, um, I think that's definitely a really problematic proposal, though. So, I, I mean, I have to imagine cooler heads are going to prevail because I don't see a particularly huge victory and really upending the custody market for you know, regulated mm-hmm. investments, but it's still, you know, still a little nervy, I think, for the industry. And the other part that you know, people care less about at the moment is obviously these sort of rewritten the rules for crypto custody where he's going to make people take that on balance sheet,
1: which is a weird... Is that the uh, SAB-121, right?
0: Yeah, right. So that's, I mean, it's related because he wants to make, for some reason, crypto assets all of a sudden aren't agency assets, which is a really weird approach as well, which is, so I think taking the two together, redefining custody for no appreciable benefit is really sort of odd, I think.
1: Yeah, and if it was crypto that sparked this amendment to the custody rule that's that's wild i mean it's such a drop yeah. in the ocean compared to the rest of the assets out there right that custodians sit on um i think it makes it very difficult for a lot of custodians to to you know it's really a tough business to be in um if you take away the ability to earn interest on those those cash balances it, it makes it even tougher um, i don't know if you'd see people losing mark leaving the market but it's uh, in those common letters people didn't hold back from the you know, catastrophic effects they would have, have if uh, if the rules went into place in their current format. I guess one, one precedent may be that on that securities lending reporting uh, rule that the SEC put in, at the last minute, they seem to change um, the, the reporting window, right? From from 15 minutes to the end of the day. So right. perhaps, I don't know if that was expected or not. I know people have been kicking up a lot of fuss on it.
0: I, I think it was... I expect it probably overstates it, but hope, like strongly hoped for, I think. I mean, I think the sort of pattern, as we all know, when it comes to SEC regulation, especially under the sort of under Gary Gensler has been you asked for he goes very far knowing he's not going to get everything he's asked for. So when he peels back and ret- makes a apparent retreat, he gets to where he wanted to be in the first place. So I think, you know, asking for if he had asked for end of day reporting or next morning reporting, he would have probably felt he would have had to see more make it even later so i think i think there is precedent for sort of rowing back aggressive elements we saw the same thing with the money market uh reform where he pulled back on the sort of mandatory swing pricing right and just put in the sort of the the threshold cap uh for recessions if reductions get too big so i think there's reason i think I'm cautiously optimistic that sort of a workable solution will be had because ultimately it doesn't benefit anybody. Investors, the buy side, the sell side, no one in the ecosystem benefits from the rule as written. So, yeah. and it doesn't even. And as you sort of mentioned, it's not clear what he's trying to fix with it. I mean, that's the real issue. So, like, it doesn't. It's that. It does. He's not addressing any sort of existential threat, and he's not addressing. It's not addressing any sort of recent scandal so it's curious as to why why it's come up
1: yeah completely agree um we did do a feature on it actually on global custodian so do check that out for for a bit of background Uh, by the way i had this thought a few months ago um i really feel like when when the film of gary gensler comes out that uh paul (laughs) is gonna play him in the film do you think that's a good fit (laughs)
2: I'm not sure about that. That could work, yeah. That could work, yeah. yeah.
1: I, could really I see think it he's happening.
2: a bit too humorous, isn't he? I don't
1: know. Yeah, you'd have to dial back the uh, the, the charisma a little bit. Um, Virginia, did you watch... Uh, how much of the SBF trial did you plug into?
2: I, I, I was watching the live uh, reporting <sighs> as, as that guy was tweeting it, to be fair. Just, I was hooked. After yeah. a, few, you know, a few days of it. I mean, I did, I did try and rein it in a bit, but sadly... I got I got hooked in there. <laughs>
1: how much of it was how much was it for a professional and how much was just uh, out of interest and personal?
2: Uh, probably <laughs> mainly personal. <to> be fair. <laughs> I don't know, just I, I'm not sure if any of it was beneficial. I mean, it's obviously interesting hearing what has been going on and and some mm. of the the tactics used by the lawyers. Uh, quite fascinating. Um, but yeah, certainly the, it, it didn't go well for SBF. We all knew it wasn't going to go well. <laughs> The minute he decided to take the stand was was you know yeah. when we realized it wasn't going to go well for him, Very Ray.
1: Yeah, but good entertainment though, Sean.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, look,
0: it was fun. It was you know, it's been a year plus of the SBF drama, so it was sort of a, it was sort of anticlimactic in the end, though. I sort of the American listeners will get this. I sort of a. I sort of said it was akin to watching a Super Bowl from the 90s, where it was just a blowout. Like, you knew SPF wasn't going to win. So unless you were really, like, had a rooting interest, like, it wasn't that interesting. I mean, it wasn't tons of, you know, there weren't twists and turns and huge revelations. It was just sort of watching SPF and his lawyers get destroyed over the course of three and a half weeks. So it was sort of a little anticlimactic. But, uh,
2: I mean, yeah.
0: I suppose satisfying for everybody who watched the FTX sort of fraud mushroom and then explode.
2: I did wonder at some point whether there was some sort of big strategy that his lawyers and the defense were preparing. And I was kept waiting for it and then waiting for it. And they didn't actually have any, any strategy whatsoever. It was quite fascinating. Goodness. Well, I mean, what defense well, could we're... there be, I suppose? Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, and, like, and, and to their, in their defense, they had possibly the worst possible client of all time. Yes. So someone who was clearly guilty, who, who also thought he was smarter than everybody, is just really not a client you can rein in, honestly. So, like, they yeah. probably played the best... They were dealt a really bad hand and played the best they could, probably.
1: Although, right. from what I heard, his biggest defender, even including his own family, was Michael Lewis. I, mean, I haven't actually read the book, but from what I've heard from people... <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the book,
0: the book is, you know, like, it's not you could look at the book charitably and say it's a character study and it's not, it doesn't put SBF in the best light. But I think Michael Lewis's sort of media tour afterward has been like bizarrely pro SPF. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's where a lot of the blowback is. I mean, the book itself, I think everyone would hoped for a different book because he had a front row seat yeah. and had a, had a once in a lifetime opportunity to basically like win a Pulitzer and write <laughs> a fantastic book. And he chose not to, but sort of the, he's been sort of part of the defense media Mediator, which is sort of more confusing.
1: Yeah, I know, it's incredible. It's like I, I, it's like a writer being on the Titanic and then escaping and then being able to write the book <laughs> and then <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> not, not really delivering. Um,
2: Forgetting the iceberg. That's, a, <laughs>
1: yeah. that's exactly what he did. Yeah, that's a great way, but I knew there was an analogy in there like that somewhere. <laughs> Thanks, for Virginia. That's all right.
2: Well, I mean, we've got Binance this week as well. What is it, last week?
1: True. Yeah, 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 I think... People Must have like crypto saga fatigue because I know that was big, but you know, not as big. I guess the, the link though with FTX is and Chris, our deputy editor, wrote an article, a feature on this. Yeah, you know, t- um, just over a year ago, we were at Cyboss in Amsterdam and we we're sitting, we were on stage, and I was moderating the an event. And you had all the big custodians, um, you had Clearstream, I think DTCC up there, and everyone's talking crypto, everyone's talking Bitcoin literally using that terminology you know if our clients want it we will custody it etc etc sab21 121 was still in the background but everyone was saying the words and then as soon as the ftx happened we can talk about digital assets we can talk about di- di- uh tokenization but no one's mentioning the the b word no one's mentioning bitcoin no one's mentioning crypto so it did i think it did have an effect um and i know some of that is just waiting for regulation but i think a lot of it is oh this is a bit of a um a toxic asset to talk about for banks that are known for safeguarding, right? Well,
2: it's true. I think that's the same for all the buy side as well. As I, as yeah. I said, when I was, yeah. you know, earlier in the year, I had some, one of the pension funds saying crypto, uh, was it Bitcoin is poison or crypto is poison? So, mm. You
1: know, yeah. yeah.
2: Maybe you wouldn't want to be associated with it either.
1: <laughs> it's true. Times have really changed in a short space of time. Um, did, all the did, did you notice back up
2: though, with, with the Binance judgment though, the announcement, did you did you listen to the announcement, either of you? No. No, <laughs> I did because I'm sad, <laughs> obviously. Um, but the, uh, what's his name? Rustin Benham uh, took the stage, centre a stage um, and, and announced and said j- during it, um, this is proof now that we are the primary digital asset regulator. I think I'm almost uh, quoting him word for word, which was, yeah. is some shade to be throwing, I think. <laughs> Given all the, the back and forth of the SEC. So Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, it's interesting because the, the Binance settlement, the SEC didn't take part in it, which I think is interesting. Mm So I mean, I think for that, there's multiple ways to look at that. But I think, you know, the sort of conventional wisdom is that the SEC is looking to pursue wants to finalize its own case, which it now looks more likely to win um, because it will help it set precedent for future sort of regulatory action. So it, it wants to sort of continue its own case. So even like, you know, CZ on his way out Said you know like basically took a shot at SBF and said we never use customer money, um you know like yeah we had a million sanctions violations but we never used your money the wrong way, which is yeah. a weird victory lap. Yeah. But like the SEC is charging just that he did use customer money, so it's like almost like the other shoe hasn't dropped fully on finance yet. But I think mm-hmm. I think John, you're right that generally people have fatigue with it. Like it's been a, yeah. you know an exhausting year plus of just like scandal after scandal that, that we're almost sort of uh numb to it at this point
1: yeah absolutely well uh, that's a lot of sec i mean as as europe being a bit quieter then sean you mentioned like the elections and things slowing it down but is that is that taking its toll a little bit on pace in europe i
0: think so i mean that and sort of the regulatory that sort of pace I and mean, where we are in the cycle of regulatory change in europe has slowed it down obviously sort of level two work is underway and Micah and Dora and some other stuff. Um, but there hasn't been any sort of huge announcements um aside from sort of the quixotic push for digital wallets that uh Europe is really sort of running with. Um and, and the possible introduction of the central bank digital currency or digital e digital euro has sort of moved ahead um much quicker than anywhere else. And I don't think anyone's really sort of Paying that much attention to it. That's probably the biggest development, though, what it means yet, I don't think anyone knows.
2: There's one more. There's one more that I know that people are arguing about because I was talking to to a regulator about this not that long ago. Uh, Really, really exciting topic here. Tax. (laughs) Tax reform. (laughs) (laughs) So apparently there's a really big, uh, what's the word, confabulation argument going on um, at the EU level about the faster tax rules. Um, and, and so they're, they're supposed to be coming um, to sort of digitalise tax processes uh, based on what they've done in Finland, which is you know, basically flip everything from paper-based processes to being online. Wow. Welcome to the 20, 20th century. <laughs> um, but there's, there's, uh, there's quite a few things in the faster tax rules that would, I guess, impact various um, tax regimes and the way that money's being collected by the government in various countries. So that's why it's become such a big sticking point. So I know that it's coming, but it might take a little while, but I expect yeah. that will be out next year, right?
1: Yeah, and I guess we keep going geographically. Anything out of Asia Pacific? I mean, the, the Monetary Authority of Singapore, those um, you know initiatives coming out on digital assets and tokenization are fascinating, but any other regs from that side of the world?
2: Um, they've been talking a lot about cyber risk as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that they've done a lot of focus on business conduct and operas- operational resilience. Um, and there was, yeah, I, I seem to remember there was something about payment tokens um, yeah. published not that long ago. But yeah, it's been yeah. not that. I, they, they've just had their big, um, what's it called? Their big fintech show, haven't they? Or is it, yeah. is it this week? I can't remember. It's around this time of year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, possibly what sparks those yeah. announcements, um, and and just uh, conscious time. I guess it's t- today is the it's six months till T plus one. So it'd be an injustice not to to talk about it. Uh, um, you, you know, if you haven't seen all four thousand webinars uh, from <laughs> <laughs> this week, usually moderated by me, Virginia, or, or Barney at the Valley Exchange. Um, uh, you know, there's there's a lot going on, right? We've we've had to split up our webinar series into um, you know, thematically. So we've had some on Seg Lending, some on FX. Um there's a lot of lot of questions on both of those, a lot of concerns about prefunding. Um you've got you know, tech firms shouting about automation from the rooftops. But uh and, and DTCC kind of um yeah chipping in every now and then. Uh but it seems like there's there's the big firms are testing, smaller ones aren't. Uh Virginia, is there one kind of, uh, yeah, to avoid going down the rabbit hole of this uh, again, what's your kind of big alarm bells ringing um, takeaway six um, months out?
2: Well, I think a lot of people are focused on sort of some of this, the same day affirmation confirmation processes, right? Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of firms have focused on that and trying to figure out that bit of it. But I don't think that people have really focused on the other bits as much. Um, yeah. Not nearly enough anyway. Um, especially sort of on the a- wider asset servicing aspects like corporate actions and things, and non- the non-glamorous stuff that yes, ha- involves yeah. a lot of people. So I expect that's going to be quite a crunch point. And I also think nobody's really geared up to, to <laughs> for, for me. Um, I know that the DTCC has been doing testing, but it's only in one area and it's only yeah. for a set small group of people so far. So wider testing doesn't really start until January. So I've been mm-hmm. doing a load of memes about how people are going to come into <laughs> the year all all full of uh, you know having having just had Christmas break and then the next you know few months is going to be hellish because of the testing because it's such yeah. a short time frame.
1: It is, and the the, the, right. the testing period and the run up is is so short even compared with T three to T plus two. And as we keep being reminded, you, you know the, the whole system's only as strong as its weakest part. So obviously everyone's trying to encourage. Um, you know, everyone to get prepared and, and people to come to the table and listen to some of these webinars and, and podcasts about it. Um, Sean, uh, how kind of dialed in are you to all these, these um, the T plus one going ons and, and what kind of stands out for you as we're six months away?
0: Yeah, I think what's interesting is you're starting to see now what I would like say a sort of second order impacts yeah. are all of a sudden being realized. So, uh, like the US ETF market has all of a sudden realized they have a real for non. For U.S. ETFs that don't hold uh, that hold you know, European securities, they're going to have a misalignment problem between their settlement cycles so that are going to sort of really gum up the works um, potentially when they sort of do the create and redeems and the the in-kind transfers. So that's sort of um, has a lot of people in the ETF ecosystem in the U.S. working in the APs, thinking about sort of does that create credit conditions that they need to sort of bridge um, as you know, the ETFs are going to settle T plus one, but the European set of securities move at T plus two. And how do you sort of bridge that gap? And then sort of similar theme. I think a lot of what, you know, it, it happened with the, you know, it happened with the move to T three, T two, but it's also a lot of European domiciled funds that have, you know, there are a lot of us equity funds domiciled in Ireland and Luxembourg Um, are looking to shorten their fund settlement cycle to match the security settlement cycle. And how does that sort of ripple through the fund distribution and intermediation um, in Europe? Um, And that's going to be a little more challenging than I think people had initially thought about. So I think for me, those sort of second order impacts on the buy side and investors is what's really sort of popping up now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I said that there's, there's plenty of resources. Global have got a T plus one handbook with all the written stuff. We've got, um, the multiple webinars from the industry issues forum. If you want to check those out, uh, they're split up thematically. So, um, we're going to do one more for the end of the year and then, you know, do get your questions in for us to answer on those webinars, um, via the form on our website. Now the one thing that I do want to give a little bit of attention to, which you two have both brought up before is the possibility of a postponement or a delay now whisper it (laughs) because i know people aren't keen to put this message out there but um do you think there's still any chance
2: Mm. (laughs) it's hard to say i didn't think there
1: was but yeah i I did we we did have one comment on our last webinar which changed my mind slightly
0: yeah i mean I'm on the record from six months ago saying that yeah. there's likely to be a delay, so mm-hmm. nothing, things haven't improved materially for me to change my position. So I don't, I don't, a delay would not surprise me, is, I guess the most politically correct way I could put it.
2: Given, given the state of preparation and the amount of time we've got left, it, a delay would be sensible, but yeah. that's the thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, if, if you look at the number of items that the SEC's got to get through before the election in you know in in the autumn, um, yeah. I think there's, what, 65, 66 items that they've got to get through, um, yeah. which is an insane number of regulations. Mm.
1: Yeah. And, and look, the last thing we want to do is give false hope or <laughs> you tell people to just down tools. But... It's being talked about, so it's worth... Uh, we're just reporting kind of what's out there um, mm-hmm. at this stage. Uh, do, do you know, Sean, you brought up the uh, Super Bowl reference earlier. Um, you know, I, I know, like, pundits tend to... You know, if there's a if there's a real underdog in the game, you know, you just pick that underdog in your pre-game picks. And no one remembers <laughs> if you've got it wrong. But if you've got it right, you, you'll you get... You know, there'll be clips of it online for the rest of time. So this is, this is what this is for you both, right? If this ever happens the postponement or a delay we said yeah well look here we said it six months ago we said it uh today so we'll, we'll clip this save it <laughs> and then gloat about it just in case and if it doesn't happen then no one will ever remember this happened so, exactly yeah that's that's the theory um look we've got through quite a lot um maybe we can sneak in another one before christmas to to, to wrap up the year and um talk about what, what might be ahead for next year but uh yeah, thanks very much for your time and thoughts today. It's been great to catch up again. Um, Virginia, anything you're working on at the moment you want to shout out about?
2: Yeah, the post-trade predictions, or so the capital markets um, operations and technology predictions for the next year are what we're working on at the moment. So lots of really depressing things in there, <laughs> including cybercrime and all of this kind of glamorous stuff. But uh, gonna, yeah, certainly that'll yeah. be out soon.
1: Going to push you for an optimistic one uh, to, to, to offset it uh, in, in our uh, GZ magazine. Um, Sean, what about you? What's uh, What are you up to at the moment?
0: Well, so, as always, you know, I'm sort of tracking regulatory developments and people can sort of follow me over on uh, the website formerly known as Twitter. Or uh, if you're into Finreg Memes, uh, go to Finreg Memes on Instagram.
1: Wow, fantastic. Um, you still call it Twitter, are you?
0: <laughs> I do. Yeah. I do. I still call it Twitter, yep. But I still, as I think I made this joke before, I still call it Lansdowne Road and it's been at the Aviva <laughs> Stadium for like a decade. So like... <laughs>
1: yeah eating marathon bars at the uh good good well thanks very much to you both and um thanks everyone for listening
0: you were listening to there's always a finreg angle podcast from global custodian stream on google and apple podcasts spotify or catch up wherever you get your podcasts from